Welcome to All About Almodovar, an introduction to loving the films of Pedro Almodovar. I'm Ingu Kang, a critic at The Hollywood Reporter, and back with me is Slate podcast producer Daniel Schrader. Just a warning, Ingu, uh, I've already had a complete nervous breakdown. Explains your personality, Daniel. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Starting the podcast off right. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to discuss Pedro Almodovar's international breakthrough film, the 1988 movie that got him his first Oscar nomination for Best Foreign Language Film and his first Goya for Best Film. It also got a 28-year-old Antonio Banderas noticed by Hollywood and maybe qualifies as the very first episode of Crazy (laughs) (laughs) Ex-Girlfriend. You're not wrong. (laughs) Daniel, uh, summarize Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown for us. Sure thing. So Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown is a film starring Carmen Maura, or maybe uh, just Carmen Maura's legs, honestly, as (laughs) Peppa, an actress and voiceover artist who dubs films into Spanish. It follows her attempts to reconnect with her former lover, Ivan, who is leaving her for another woman. While on the hunt for him, she encounters another woman desperate to find him, Lucia, played by Julieta Serrano, who had been previously institutionalized over her obsession with Ivan. As Peppa spirals more and more out of control trying to connect with him, her apartment begins to fill with people, including her friend Candela, played by Maria Barranco, who is wrapped up in a Shiite terrorist plot herself, Lucia and Ivan's son, Carlos, Antonio Banderas, and his girlfriend, Marisa, played by Rossi de Palma, who I'd never encountered before, but cannot stop thinking about. And then eventually, even Lucia, two cops, and a telephone repairman, it all culminates in this wild chase to the airport. And all I could think after finishing it twice this morning was, God, I'd love some gazpacho. So we talked last week when we talked about All About My Mother, about how it felt like such a timeless film. And this film, while it has some timeless parts, is so 1988 from the start. Like, there's so much action that's just wholly dependent on Peppa sitting in front of an answering machine waiting for it to, like, give her something. Because most of this movie revolves around her trying to get in touch with him. And she's using phones, she's leaving messages, and she's basically waiting on all of this technology that continues to fail her. And I love these really tiny close-ups on all of the little gadgets in the movie that she encounters, because it's just, basically, she's surrounded by sort of like all of the trappings of modern life, and none of it will give her any satisfaction. And it mimics that feeling that you have of looking at like your phone or looking at your answering machine, I guess, if you lived 30 years ago, Uh, just like waiting for it to give you like any sort of answer as if the piece of machinery has any will of its own. I don't know, it's great. Yeah, well, so much of this movie seems to be about people talking past each other and not being able to actually connect with each other. And just like so much of Peppa's struggle with Yvonne is they just keep leaving each other voicemails. And so she can't like, all she can get is him on the voicemail. And it's even set up that way with her job in the beginning of like, she is dubbing the other half of a movie that Yvonne is dubbing and comes in and 
like reads the script listening to Yvonne in her ears. So part of it is she she's just already so used to like receiving these messages from him without being able to actually talk back to him. Yeah, I think Almodovar is someone who is completely enchanted actually with voices. He said in interviews that sometimes he'll cast an actor solely for their voice which is kind of crazy for a film director to say. But the other really interesting thing about Almodovar's obsession with human voices is that he worked for the phone company for 12 years before he became a movie director or on his way to becoming a movie director. And so that's sort of a nice little parallel to his life and this movie, which we need to get back to. So early in the film, we see Peppa at work, and basically she's dubbing over a scene from Johnny Guitar, the 1954 Western. Which you sat through. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Joan Crawford and Sterling Hayden. And it's the scene where the two characters are talking about the love affair that they used to be in something like five years ago. And they're no longer in it anymore, which is sort of this nice parallel between Peppa and Yvonne. And at the same time, it's... It's sort of like we were talking about with All About My Mother. It's this parallel with Hollywood and yet this rejection of Hollywood at the same time. Because, first of all, they're not like in the scene together, right? Like they're actually quite disconnected. But then the other thing is Johnny Guitar is really famous for having this really brassy, really like masculine type woman as its heroine. And what I really like about Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and something I think I didn't really quite appreciate until I saw it this viewing, is that it's a movie sort of reclaiming or triumphalizing this hyper-emotional type of woman that I think that so much of our culture is... So much of our culture revolves around hating that type of woman. I made that joke earlier about like how it could be like a prelude to crazy ex-girlfriend. And I love that Pedro Almodovar takes this sort of woman who is not the traditional respected woman. You know, she's like not... She's a mess. She's a mess. Yes, she's a mess. She is arguably the mistress and basically takes her emotions pretty seriously while also sort of at the end throwing a little twist in to say, actually, all of her hyper-emotionality was totally warranted. Well, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. This uh, is all about um, sympathizing with the woman who's been driven crazy by a man. That's what this whole movie is. And it uh, takes a lot, actually, from uh, Cocteau's play, The Human Voice, which is a... Uh, play that just features one woman on stage talking into a telephone uh, with a man who's breaking up with her. And it is an insufferable play to watch. I watched it a few nights ago. And you just hate the woman on stage because she is so fragile and uh, difficult. And you just want to tell her, like, get over it. This man doesn't love you anymore. Stop talking to him. He's just like mollifying you with these words, whatever he's saying that we can't hear. It doesn't matter. And so what Almodovar does with this film is he takes that woman and says like, okay, but what about her life? Let's what's going on with her? And why is she acting this way? And it's, it's basically his life project, right? To say, there are all of these like emotions that women feel. And you know what, they're actually worth paying attention to. And also that like, 
women need to wise up and tell the men in their lives to fuck off. <laughs> I love the treatment of the men in this. But, uh, okay, the way that I first saw this movie was in high school Spanish class. So it was what? something like... How old were you? 16 or 17. That surprises me. I'm very old, Daniel. Well, I know that. I, I know <laughs> we've we've talked about this. Um, you were around when Johnny Guitar was in theaters. But um, I'm just surprised that a 16 or 17 year old saw this in like high school. The reason why I found that really funny is that a lot of Almodovar movies, something like All About My Mother, maybe which is at like a slower pace. I can understand maybe something like half of the dialogue. I can understand almost none of this dialogue, part of it because the actors were told to talk more fast than regular speech. And part of it because Antonio Banderas' character uh, is meant to have a stutter. And this is one of those movies where I don't know why we were shown it in Spanish class because no one can understand what they are saying because it's so fast-paced on purpose yeah well i I, it's i mean that to like that's the the farce of it all like you want that fast-paced like witty dialogue and it like at points it just felt like a stage play and i loved that about it yeah but that's sort of like going to like an english class like an esl english class and saying today we're going to show his girl friday it's not conducive to language learning oh totally that's insane (laughs) I think that's crazy. Also, like, yeah. Calling out my high school Spanish teacher out right now. Yeah, exactly. Your high school... I mean, I love that your high school Spanish teacher wanted to expose you to women on the verge of a nervous breakdown because, like, yes, children should all have to watch Almodovar. Like, please. But at the same time, (laughs) let's choose one that they can read and keep up with. Because this definitely moves so fast. And even, like, having seen it three times now, I keep catching new things that I missed. But... Um, one thing I did want to say is that I was shocked that this film wasn't just called Earrings. <laughs> because Candela's coffee maker earrings are the only things that matter to me now. I want like five pairs of them myself that I will just wear whenever I want. Uh, because I they're perfect. You, but I bet you can find them on Etsy, but apparently Almodovar said he had them specially made for the film. Really? Yeah. I love that. Like, that's a beautiful little detail that that's the essence of camp right there is just oh, well, we need these earrings made because that's what the character would wear, of course. I mean, there is sort of this, like, nervous energy that she has throughout. I really love the performance by Maria Barranco. It's probably my favorite one in the film because she's so delicate and so... I, I say this word knowing it's, it's like, very freighted with a history. She's so hysterical. She was the reason... Like, she is the person who got the most laughs out of me in this entire film every time yes, I watched it. She's very funny. And also, apparently, critic Sheila Johnson, when reviewing this movie in 1988 or 1989, compared her to olive oil. <laughs> like, if That's you want to perfect. know the emotional landscape um, within olive oil, this is it. Oh, no question. I, <laughs> I love that. There were just times when her delivery is just so funny. She's the quickest. When the cops and Lucia show up at the house, she and Peppa have some beautiful business like back and forth, uh, try- like trying to stay calm. And at one point, Candela is sobbing and the cop asks like, why are you crying? And 
Peppa says, oh, she just thinks that woman's dress is ugly. And and then just like without even missing a beat, Candela just says, yes, it's so awful as she's sobbing. It's perfect. <laughs> they like have such a good like connection. They all know how to like run this game together. By the end of it, she and Peppa and uh, Carlos are all like in on this thing together because then we have to get everybody drugged on gazpacho. Yes, we should explain that. So there's a lot of things that Peppa does that are basically insane. Oh, I guess that's... Moments of wilding out, if you will. Yes. Um, (laughs) She, like, literally burns the bed that she shared with Yvonne on fire. Not even intentionally. Like, that wasn't even... She didn't even mean to do it. She just, like, lit a cigarette, and then, because she was so wrapped up in her Yvonne-ness, throws the whole box of matches open on her bed, along with the still burning match in her hand. So, like, she's just so out of it that she doesn't even realize the chaos that she's wreaking. So there's, like, a scene where she gets all of these sleeping pills, and then she puts a bunch of the sleeping pills into her gazpacho, because Ivan loves gazpacho. And basically, after one of the house guests is accidentally drugged by the gazpacho. She's confronted with what she was doing, and she says something like, I didn't want to kill him. I just wanted to make him stay. Which, like, if there was, like, a more Jeffrey Dahmer-esque line, I cannot think of one. But also a line that, I mean, I think anybody desperate to hold on to a relationship that's already ended can identify with. Sure, Daniel. (laughs) I mean, okay, maybe you have not, but I certainly have. And so, like, for me, I really felt such a kinship to Peppa because I had been her, and I still am. A detail I ran into in my research is when they were advertising this movie in the U.S., one of the radio ads called it a new comedy about someone you know. Wow. (laughs) That's that's so mean. I love it. So every Almodovar movie is visually notable, right? But he takes a bunch of really interesting leaps with this one. The opening credits have this really beautiful montage that sort of looks like all of these clippings from women's fashion magazines, which is really beautiful to look at. And also there's just there's these sort of like disembodied body parts of lips and nails. It's really beautiful, and there's this later sort of parallel, not quite like a montage, but it's a very slow pan across like a very long street, where Ivan is walking down the street, this is in black and white, and every time he takes two steps, there's like another woman on the street, and he hits on her. (laughs) And it literally does not matter what kind of woman she is, she could be old, she could be young, she could be someone who lives down the street it could be i think at some point japanese Japanese american yeah yes like no matter what type of woman she is he will like have like a line for her and they're all really cheesy lines but it's he's basically this like walking penis right and just the way that like he dramatized that is it's this like really fun scene. I, I mean, that scene gets to exactly the him as a player. He's never, never was going to settle down with any of these women. He's never able, he's not someone you can rely on. But when you were talking about the like disembodied lips and eyes and everything, that reminded me of the first time we encounter Lucia, which is Carlos's mom. And she's talking about like putting on her, uh, putting on her eyes lashes and 
wearing these like old outfits that her mother wants to get rid of and won't let her. And she feels like this very frozen in time trying to get back whatever she and Yvonne once like first had. And yeah, I think the first scene is where she talks about how she wants to feel like no time has passed between her getting into the asylum and leaving. And then she puts on a wig and you see it's a sad, ratty looking beehive wig. Yeah, well, and her life is frozen in time at that moment, and she ha- she doesn't know. She's like she's like one of the Beals. She's like Little Edie from Great Gardens. She's Miss Havisham. Yeah, she's trapped in a, like, past she can never get back. And it's like he does this to all of his women. Ruin them. Yes, and I love that you really never get any sort of explanation as to what, like, what's so appealing about him. Like, it does not matter who he is. He's sort of this handsome, empty suit, but he's basically like a horny nothing, right? And his son, Carlos, uh, is also kind of this horny nothing, even though because he's played by Antonio Banderas, he has this, like, weird magnetic charm. He could be my horny nothing whenever he wants. (laughs) but yeah well and i I think you can actually see the bad ways that yvonne has rubbed off on carlos such as when candela is crying and his first thought to comfort her is to kiss her on the mouth and then she just keeps crying more and it seems like carlos doesn't even understand a healthy way to interact with women because The only example he has is his father, who is this disgusting fuckboy who only wants to get his dick wet. And also, I love the fact that, like, the only thing we truly know about him, the only sense of his relationship with Peppa that we really get about him is that after he moves out of the place that they were living in together, he tells her to pack his suitcase for him so that he can go pick it up. Um... I don't know. I guess sometimes I wish I had the balls to say something outrageously assholeish like that. No, you just want someone else to pack your suitcase. <laughs> this is a little bit of a detour, but one of my favorite karaoke songs that I love to do is called The End of the World, like the Skater Davis song from 1962. And the reason why I love the song is because it's completely bratty. She's basically saying, I am going through a breakup, and therefore it is just like the end of the world. That's it. Nothing else matters. And I love the fact that so many of the cityscapes in this movie, which takes place in Madrid, are meant to look completely fake because the rest of the world just simply no longer matters to her. And I also love the fact that I clocked it. It's something like six minutes in before you see Carmen Mara's face, because for the first six minutes of the movie, if you see her at all, she's like in her bed in these like hot pink pajamas. And she's lying face down because she's taking a bunch of sleeping pills in order to get over her breakup. And I just love the, I love the loving indulgence of that. Yeah, to your point about like, the cityscapes being so fake and that like the only world that exists to her is the one in her immediate vicinity. She is so wrapped up in this man and so wrapped up in the like tiny little drama of her own life that she is completely unable to engage for such a long time in her friend Candela's actual crisis, which is a fear of going to jail because she accidentally fell in love with and housed some Shiite terrorists. (laughs) I love how completely self-unaware 
Peppa is. I think like there's some point at which she goes on about how she totally knew about Yvonne's cheating all along. But you're kind of like, well, but other people also see you as the mistress. And then there's like a part where Candela has left her like a million phone messages saying, I need your help. I need you to call me back right away. And all she does is say something like, oh, what a pest. I can't believe she's being so monomaniacal. But she's like doing the exact same thing. And yeah, there's something like weirdly endearing about her narcissism, which I think is like really key to making this movie work. Well, I think that so much of this movie is her waking up to that narcissism and kind of stepping out of it, is uh, realizing the trap that she's fallen into with this man and clawing her way out of it. One of the important changes that Peppa experiences over the course of the film, which is kind of a coming into her own of her voice and it being the powerful one, as opposed to Yvonne being the one that has power over her. By the time the cops show up, she is she's spinning the story to them. She's been spinning the stories to Candela and to Carlos about different things, kind of keeping all these different plates spinning at once and just getting by with the sound of her voice. And also, she we're not going to spoil it, but she also finds something else to be obsessive about other than Yvonne. And sort of what I like about that is that she is this sort of flighty, hyper-emotional woman, but she isn't limited to that. It's not like her role forever. Well, yeah, and I think that not only is it just that it's not her role forever, it's that she's discovering that there are other better roles out there, too, and that um, she becomes kind of this maternal character for the people who end up in her apartment and starts to like actually like take care of them and realize like, Oh, maybe I can nurture things. And that's what will give me satisfaction, safety, uh, comfort, which actually I'm realizing as we're saying this, like is kind of a connection to the whole beginning of the film where she has a voiceover about how she wanted to be Noah and, uh, took these animals to her roof that she's raising. She has rabbits and ducks and chickens. And that it turns out the only uh, relationship she couldn't nurture was hers and Yvonne's. And that like, there's so much more to life than just nurturing that. And I think what is really great ultimately about like the fakeness of like the cityscape that you see beyond her terrace or her balcony is that it is sort of this like fake world out there and yet it's rebuildable and I think it also goes back to this theme of like malleability and like rebuildability with all about my mother like there's a lot of terrible things happening but also there's power in there's power in these women's ability to nurture and to remake the world in their own image yeah, I, I I think the final scene is a beautiful illustration of that as Rossi De Palma, who has slept through this entire movie, uh, <laughs> passed out from a slurp of gazpacho early on, wakes up and uh, starts talking with Peppa, who unpacks everything that had happened to her. And once Marisa... Rossi De Palma's character wakes up, she's co- she's a different person. Her character is completely changed. Because she had an orgasm in her sleep. 
she has had this new experience and is no longer a, a bitchy possessive girl. Now she's a more grown woman, even though her de-virginization only happened in her dreams. I don't think it's insignificant that it happened in her dream. It's sort of like her body giving her something that she wanted or she needed outside of the heterosexual relationship that she had with Carlos, who, like his father, is like a complete fuckboy who, as soon as his fiance falls asleep, goes after Candela. And so I really love that it's it's this kind of like unconscious awakening, right? But regardless of the state of her consciousness, it happens. I feel like the one person we left out of this who warrants at least a like passing mention is the only reliable man in this entire movie. The Mambo taxi driver. Oh yeah. <laughs> like he's literally the only good guy, the only reliable one. He buys her eye drops so that when she gets in that third time, she has eye drops. It's their relationship was maybe my favorite of the whole film because like they just developed this like bond from just three car rides right because so much of the movie is peppa going like to and from her apartment and always in a rush and so she is constantly getting into this act constantly accidentally getting into this guy's taxi cab yeah and i and i think uh what's funny about him is that when they're chasing Lucia to the airport, Peppa says, follow that woman. She's crazy. But be careful. She's crazy. And he's like, oh, I could like women aren't crazy if you just know how to handle them. And then he has his own words. And I think that's what's really great about the gender reversal in this movie, because it's not women who are this like unknowable other. It's the man. And that's one of the reasons why Yvonne is so undetailed, because it doesn't really matter who he is. And I... Yeah, in the car, actually, in the car chase, Peppa says to uh, the woman in the car with her, Anna, that, like, yeah, it'd be better if you became a bike mechanic. You can understand a bike, but you can never understand a man. Yeah, which is exactly what, like, a straight man would say about women. Exactly. But I also think what's very funny to me about that and what I love that Almodovar is doing here is that, like, as I said in the last episode... There's straight men aren't that interesting. Like there's not there there's not a ton to figure out. So like that's the problem. Straight men aren't interesting unless they're played by Antonio Banderas. I mean, Antonio Banderas is the only exception I'm happy to make. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got a few extra bits of trivia here. So Almodovar's mom, Francisca Caballero, was in four of his movies, including this one. Do you remember the news anchor who was very dryly reading? Yes, I was wondering about her. Yes. I was wondering about her because I was like, why is an old woman the newscaster? Like, I think that's great if she, like, if that's how Spain works, cool. They have, like, old women reading the news, but, like, what? Yep, that's his mom. Wow. I love that. That's a delight. <laughs> I am so curious about her. She seems great. Also, his brother was in this. Was he? Yes. Uh, he plays the real estate agent who is working on the miniatures when uh, Peppa shows up to list her apartment. I did not know that. I just noticed his name in the credits, and so I had to look it up. The really crazy thing... So, Daniel, you and I watched The Volver a couple of weeks ago. Ugh. 
Still can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. I want to return to it as often as I can. Crazily enough, the next time that Carmen Maura worked with Almodovar was in Volver, playing Penelope Cruz's mother. Well, that's such a long time. Yeah. Like, for that's like, almost 20 years. The face of basically like his most uh, financially successful movie. It is kind of crazy to think about. According to interviews that Almodovar has given about their relationship, she's actually had this like really huge role in his life. Basically, they met when they were both starring in plays in the late 1970s, when she was already a pretty famous actress. And she was also instrumental in getting his first film, Peppy Lucy Bomb, made because she was encouraging him to shoot the film in 16mm instead of 8mm. And also, probably maybe more importantly, she called up a lot of her friends to help donate money for the budget for that film. But after Woman on the Verge, they had this falling out because she couldn't star in 1990, according to him because she couldn't star in 1991's High Heels because the protagonist was significantly younger than she was. And so that's why it took them nearly 20 years to work together again. So that's about it for us today. As our final segment going forward, Daniel and I will start providing our personal rankings of the films that we've discussed so far. I would rank All About My Mother and then The Women on the Verge of a Rich Breakdown. What about you, Daniel? See, I hate to say it, but I got to go the opposite way. Because okay. while I loved All About My Mother and sobbed through it, it was maybe my favorite film that I've watched this year. I want to live in the luscious mania of Women on the Verge so much more. It's energetic from beginning to end. And uh, I just want to stare at those earrings some more. Thank you for joining us for All About Almodovar. Next week, we're going to discuss 1987's Law of Desire. This is Ingu King. This is Daniel Schrader. And we'll see you next time. Sure. So, uh, Woman on the Nerve... Sure. So, Women on the Nerve of a Virgis... Sure. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure. So, women on the nerve of a Virgis breakdown. Nope, I can't even say it. <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> See, I told you I'm having a full-on breakdown. After having watched this movie twice in one morning, I don't think I'm sane enough to do this podcast. Um, Great. <laughs>